TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we do welcome you to the Two Guys in a Mic show. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. One hour of sports talk and more with the coach and the big dog. But right now it's the coach, that's me. We're minus the big dog expecting him to call in in a couple of minutes. we got producer extraordinaire David Roberto Olson on the other side of the glass. And uh, Residue Tuesday, that's what we do on some Tuesdays. Pick up some of the residue from the weekend. A lot of stuff we did not get to. And uh, particularly college football, we did not get to yesterday. We talked a lot of the Bears game and NFL football. We did our award-winning roundup, up, wrap up, so we'll make sure we get into college football for sure. And start to preview the baseball playoffs. It's October, and the baseball playoffs are upon us. Welcome, everybody. Thanks again for uh, joining us. And um, we want to welcome in the big dog, Joel Radwanski, checking in from his spatial abode in Aurora, Illinois. Big dog, lots to get to today that we were not able to get to on a beautiful Monday. How are you, my friend? Doing absolutely fantastic. And I definitely want to talk college football. Yes. That's what October is just about. Coach, I love September. I love October. Best times of the year. Best weather of the year. You know, it goes from being just perfect to a little bit cool, and I can show everybody I really can layer my wardrobe unlike any man that you've ever met, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, and then plus my two favorite sports. One is kicking off, and the other one is wrapping up in the pennant race, and then obviously when the best teams come out, which usually means that mm-hmm. us in Chicago become diehard Chicago Bear fans. <laughs> Would love to disagree with you, but uh, I'm right with you. The 12 months, we both select October as our favorite month. And the only negative about the cold weather coming, though, Big Dog, for you in particular, is you doubt you now do have to wear long pants and, quite frankly, covering up arguably your top body part. Which would, would be my calves. Yes. Uh, for those yeah. listeners not well aware, uh, Joe Edwanska, a fine-looking individual, but clearly, clearly standing out amongst your uh, attributes, two of the finest calves. In fact, your calves have been featured in, in magazines, correct? Yeah, in, in muscle and fitness. People yeah. people don't really, I mean, I, I say that to people. They're like, oh, you, when we say that on the radio, they're like, oh, yeah, you got great calves. And then they, they meet me. And then I have people be like, dude, what do you do for your calves? And I'm like, I don't do anything for them. And then they, they all freak. They get so mad. People are like, oh, quit lying to me. you got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I don't do anything. Now, when they picture your calves in the magazine, the two questions for you. A, do you get residuals? And B... Do they mention, I mean, do they put, like, your name, or do they just show the calf? Well, you know what? The sad thing is they had to put makeup on the, the horrible scar that I have on my shin. Oh, come on. That's part of the allure. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. I said, you got to look like a man in these freaking pictures, but <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't, they didn't really care about that whatsoever. Very disappointing. I, know, I already signed something, no residuals. I just got paid up front that day. The check cleared, so I ain't, I'm not upset, but I do remember uh-huh. the, the photographer. Who did it? And he was like, uh, I was told you had an awesome set of calves, but I, I really wasn't prepared for these. <laughs> these things are beautiful. You know, and I'm like, all right, cause you, you're freaking me out here. And, like, he's, like, touching them and stuff. And I'm like, hey, hey, I really, you know, when people say that, you know, when uh, 
97 pound model mm-hmm. that are six foot three say modeling is tough. They meant it, coach. I got to say that was one of the most grueling days I've ever had to go through. It was like legitimately oh, yeah. an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. And I had to like stay in there mm-hmm. and, and I, I couldn't move that much. And I mean, legit, I, and he would say pause for like 10 seconds. You know, I, I got I have to admit I was exhausted afterwards. I can't, I don't yeah. know how. These women do it for millions of dollars. It's not. It wasn't worth the time, to be quite honest with well, you. Well, they're going to pay millions I of dollars. What they said. How, you don't understand what it is to be a model. Now that I've done it for the $150, Coach, I, I mm-hmm. have to admit, I don't know if it was worth it. Yeah, I was going to say, if they pay you millions of dollars, it's worth it. $150. No, I, mean, I don't know what money it is, Coach. It was so grueling. It was so taxing. Yeah. I don't know how these women <laughs> go through it. And when I got done, I wanted to puke up my next meal. It was a strange, strange sensation. Well, you know, people have told me that. I remember hearing that when I was in my much younger years, and I kind of had the initial reaction of, come on, how hard could it be? But I've heard that enough, and as I've matured, I think I do realize that it does have to be. When you when you hear it from enough people, it's got to be um, not only physically grueling, but mentally grueling. Big dog, I, I coached a girl. I was pulled your leg. Huh? I was pulled your leg. Well, that, no. That's got to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anybody say about how grueling it was. Oh, I stood there see, and I, took a couple of pictures, and they're like, I said, we're not done yet. And I was like, seriously, what's wrong with you guys? Take the freaking picture. I actually thought you were being serious. <laughs> that it was grueling. So I just crack up when I hear these chicks, these models, oh, you don't understand what it's like. All right, well, if it's so bad, quit doing it then. You know, it cracks me up. Well, that's what I was going to say. If they're paying millions of dollars, you're not going to complain. Yeah. 150 bucks a day, you might want to complain a little bit. So, okay. I did not, uh, I apologize, I did not catch the sarcasm in your voiceable. Sorry. Well, that's, that's what I do, Coach. There was a girl that I coached way back a while. wasn't that long ago, maybe about 10 years ago, dog. She was a junior at uh, Niles North High School here in beautiful downtown Skokie, Illinois, not far from our studio. And they were a uh, junior in high school. Parents were on vacation. She's down in Florida, and some car pulls up next to the parents, next to the girl, gets out. This is the parents relating the story to me, and the guy said, I know this sounds crazy. I know it sounds ridiculous, but... I think your daughter could be a model. Let me give you a card. Just out of the clear blue. She had never modeled, never did. She was a jock. Basketball, volleyball player. Gave her the card, and, of course, the parents were a little, you know, taken aback by it. So was the kid. Make a long story short, they decided to pursue it. One thing led to another. She drops out of high school her senior year, moves to New York, and six or seven years later, she is now one of the top models. They changed her name, changed her look, and here we go. Some agent just... Stop the person out of the clear blue in her uh, career and life. Take a complete change. You, you know, I mean, uh, that's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, the parents were there, so yes. it, it could be a little bit believable. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, it, if they just walked up to that girl, and I was the dad, and the girl came home and was like, "Yeah, some guy stopped me on the street. He pulled over in his car and said I could be a model. I'm like, yeah, yeah, my guy's probably a pedophile, too. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, that's definitely a little bit strange. You know, I... Something like really weird happened the other day, Coach. I was out. He's talking about like a tomboy. You know, I'm roughing games, and there's this one girl who, you know, she was kind of cute to me. I didn't think anything of it, but she wore the eye black. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And she wore all these baggy clothes. You're a referee in a co-ed flag football. Well, no, mostly men's, but I have to do the co-ed games. Okay. You know, and I just got stuck on this one field where I did the co-ed game the other day. Mm-hmm. And the next day, there was another co-ed game. And this girl who had dominated, Coach, I mean, absolutely dominated, the game before, I, like, joked around to somebody on their team, and I'm like, hey, 
I'm going to procreate with that girl just for some superhuman uh, football babies. And they're like, oh, they thought it was funny. You know, so the next day I came there, and she's like, yeah, I'm on another team. And she's like, no, I'm not going to have any of your babies. I was like, oh, she's got a sense of humor. Okay, I appreciated that. You know? Somebody actually related that uh, verbiage to her, huh? Yes, yes. Oh, they, they could, everybody knew I was absolutely joking because okay. they were just the, – I'm not kidding you, Coach. The girl was the fastest player on the field, including all the men. I mean, it was ridiculous. I you mean, you put her jeans with your calves, and you truly could have had the superhuman young athlete. I'm, I'm, well, I'm not giving up yet, okay? So, like, I know how to, like, I was working on it. She took it really serious. So I'm like, hey, when you're running your routes, I was like, you need to do something called a whirly bird when you go in or out. And I, I taught her. She's like, oh, my God. So I start teaching her football moves. Mm-hmm. She's like, I can really use this. And I'm like, oh, so what do you do? She's like, well, uh, I head up the IT for uh, for Boeing. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> she's like, she's like, but, um. I was on the Seattle whatever, and this year I'm going to be on the Chicago Blitz. I'm like, the lingerie football team? She's like, yes. Oh, come on. The Blitz? I looked her Please. up. Oh, my God. Coach, this girl, I mean, legitimately, with the eye black on, the hair up in the piggy tail, the, the hat backwards, uh-huh. baggy stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's cute. She's really cute. And then all of a sudden, oh, I saw the other picture of her. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, Take it yeah, easy. Coach, Cold water know. for I... the big dog. Cold water for the big I'm disappointed that she's a member, after the description of her, of the Chicago Blitz, the lingerie team, which is, you know, yeah, give they, me a break. They... We have an actual Chicago professional women's football team. And, in fact, big dog, I have some inside uh, knowledge, uh, a fairly recent, of, of this weekend. This is actual uh-huh. inside knowledge that uh, there will soon be, it's not for sure, but very likely, you know how the WNBA has partnered up with the NBA? Yeah. Well, the five or six most successful teams from the WPFL, the Women's Professional Football League, have broken off from that league, are in uh, talks now with uh, Roger Goodell and the NFL, and there might be a WNFL, the women's version, sort of like the WNBA, be the Women's National Football League. None of this lingerie crap, but real football. So you get this young lady you want to procreate with, tell her to get off the blitz and get on our team, the Chicago... Yeah, that's I, the only reason why, why I, I, didn't, I brought it up to him. Like, you know, there's real professional women yes. tackle football. And she's like, she's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I, she's like, I'd rather do the lingerie stuff. Uh, killing. And, but if, it's, if it ends up being backed by the NFL, this could be another reason for me to talk to her tonight. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Tell her we got this. This could be. Why am I forgetting the team name, Big Ducks? Because well, you and me. Why I didn't bring up, I would have been like, you know, uh, I got an in with the Chicago team. But, you know, I didn't want to say it because I couldn't even think of the name of the How team. embarrassing <laughs> because both you and me have had some connections. Uh, I know you I, were. I flipped the coin. Yeah. At a, at a playoff game, mind you. I, I did also. On separate days we were there. And I, I, I got I to say, I felt a little bit. Uh, you know what? What, what was? It's a little weird because you go up there and the women that play yep. understand. Okay. What do you mean they under- their friends that have no idea about football? Okay. They didn't really understand, Coach, because I remember saying on one play, there was an out route, and one of our corners jumped in front and, and intercepted. I'm like, oh, that girl's got great hips. You know, and like the football <laughs> player with the ACL next to me is like, yeah, she does. And then the other girl was like, what, look at all these lesbians around here. Can you believe they're talking about her hips? And I'm like, oh, God. You know, it's, it's just funny how yeah. – no, no. These ladies play for real, and I know the Chicago team. And again, the name escaping me as we speak, but their quarterback. The remember, huh? The Bandits are the softball team. It doesn't start with a B, Coach. We got to find out. You know what? We'll we'll find out. But Chicago Force, Chicago you, Force does not start you, with a B. It starts with an F. 
but, you know, close enough. You're only nine letters off in the alphabet. The Chicago Force, but you remember their quarterback, Sammy Grisafi. The, oh, uh, how can I forget Sammy Grisafi? She makes Rex Ryan uh, sound like he's speaking clean language. I mean, she can go salty and then some, but beautiful blonde-haired girl from California, played quarterback on her high school boys team, I think sophomore level, JV level. She QBs the team, and she is uh, – how do we say photogenic at the least, but she is a, a tremendous football player, not the lingerie kind. She can really play. And she could, and she could like sing the national anthem. Yep. And in the interview, she's like, she's like everything entertainment. When the she, coach, when she sang the national anthem, anthem, it was the only time they had to put bleep words in the national anthem. <laughs> beep. Oh, she changed a few of the words. Like and see. Holy mackerel. Oh, goodness. we got to get out to one of those games again. Arguably, that was the highlight of our career, coin flipping for a playoff football game. Uh, you know, it was the conference championship <laughs> game, Coach. It was to get to the Super Bowl. Well, okay. What do they call it? They don't call it the Super Bowl. They call it. I think they do call it the Super Bowl. See, I was there. You were you well, were they, there for the playoff game. I was there for the actual Super Bowl, I think. Well, they, they used to call it the Super Bowl, Coach. And then the 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 last year they didn't call it because the NFL was they planned to sue everyone and bankrupt every ah, single one of the teams okay. and uh, and own all the cars of the girls that actually played in the league. <laughs> okay, you don't remember? It's funny now they're partnered up with this organization. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it's not yeah. official, but uh, inside sources tell us it could be in the near making. We certainly hope that comes about. Did you, did you ever see the time when uh, when Homer Simpson came up like with a like with a uh, they just he just said to his friends that he came up with a new type of computer system, mm-hmm. and out of nowhere, Bill Gates showed up at his house, came in, slapped Homer around, and broke all his pencils and left. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what the NFL did. I, the, I, I have not seen that because I, I, okay? I don't watch The Simpsons, but I think I can relate to that. <laughs> oh goodness! Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog and the coach. We attempted to talk college football. Somehow oh, we got please. sidetracked once again yeah. into the highlight of our radio careers, uh, coin flipping for women's tackle football. It's it's a rough business that we're in, but uh, what, what can I tell you? You know what they call a broadcasting major once they graduate college? Uh, or no. A fry operator. What, <laughs> what? I should say, what does a broadcasting major say when he graduates college? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, hello, and welcome to McDonald's. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. <laughs> Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Let's get to some college football real quick because we didn't get to much of it over the weekend. It's Residue Tuesday. It. We pick up some of the residue from the weekend. First, Big Dog, I want to ask you, in the uh, before we break down some games, the uh, rankings came out in Boise State. Has this ever happened before? where a team drops from third to fourth after winning. After winning by the score of 59 to nothing, and they drop one spot in the rankings. Your thought? I'm going to say that of all the games in NCAA history where somebody won 59 to nothing, I'm going to have to say it's highly unlikely it's ever happened, Coach. Wow. But don't forget, this is the same team that lost to Oregon 72 to nothing early in the year. Hmm. Were they trying to say something? Oregon did it on the road. Boise State at home. Maybe they're trying to say they needed to win 80 to nothing. I don't think so. That's the one thing that I think people have overlooked is that Oregon actually played that team earlier in the year. Well, okay, a point well taken. And I actually don't think it's so much an insult. From the voters' perspective to Boise State, what it is is a compliment to Oregon, who proved against Stanford after getting down 21-3 to and winning the ball game, something like 51-34, proved what a great team they are. So would you agree with that? It wasn't like we're putting down Boise State. It's just Oregon's really, really good. 
Yeah, and and uh, I want to to back Boise State's contention that they have every single year that you should base a team by how they perform and not by what you think they are in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Boise State cannot complain because as of as of so far throughout the season, Oregon looks like they're a better football team than Boise State does. Did you see what I'm getting at, Coach? Yep. Boise State's typical argument is. Well, you, you ranked us 19th at the beginning of the year because we're in the whack, and now we've just gone undefeated. So you say we can't get any higher than four or five, and we're and we're basically begging to get into a BCS bowl. Well, so they can't use that complaint this year, like, oh, we're ranked higher than them, we haven't lost. Why did you move us ahead of them? Do, do, do you understand where I'm coming from in that particular argument? Uh, strangely, I understand your logic, which worries me a little bit, quite frankly. Well, but I mean, but I, that's up to your own opinion whether Boise State or Oregon is better. I would hope they would get a chance to to do it on the field. And I, I'm not about to say Oregon is better than Boise State at this particular time. Mm-hmm. But I have no problem with other people believing that. At least it's deep enough into the season. You know what I mean? I, I know it's not really, it's still kind of at the onset of the season. Yep. But at least it's four games in and it isn't ever well, like one game. And I think we can go and do uh, some sports, uh, you know, mental gymnastics, if you will. Bottom line is I think we worry too much about, you know, three, four, five. Well, you know what? I, listen, you know what? They're both coach, under. It, it matters in football, though. It matters yeah. in football. Yeah, it, it only does. matters because we got yahoos like you and me talking about it. They're both no, no, great. No, 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 no. It only matters because I care. You could care less. Say what? I, I'm not saying that you don't love college football. My point is this: you are all fine and dandy, which is cool. You, the, the people that run the bowls, love guys like you, coach. Yep. Because you can see a team go to the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. And not the national championship game, and you can be like, those kids should be happy. It's a great year. Well, people like me, yep. see, like, why didn't they get a chance at the national title game? Okay, so that's just we don't agree on everything. People that are out mm-hmm. here listening, this is the, coach and I have a very different. There's a total dichotomy when it comes to it. it. So it matters to me. And when the movements in the polls are gigantic, when you're talking about who ends up in that first and who ends up in that second spot, which is all that really matters. Mm-hmm. In terms of the BCS yeah, championship you know, game, it's, it's almost like I could almost make the comparison where it's like fantasy football. The fantasy players spend so much time worrying about their players. How do they do this? How do they do that? That they they forget to enjoy the beauty of the competition, the beauty of the game. It's the same thing here. We're so worried about the positionings and who's going to play in that national championship game that we're forgetting to enjoy. The success of these teams, the ability of these teams, the greatness of the games. And I will tell you, Big Dog, the, the more that I age and get into it and observe it longer, the stronger I am in that we do not need a playoff system. If you want to have a two-team championship game, that's fine. But an eight, 16-team playoff instead of the bowl playoff, instead of the bowl games, I am strongly, strongly against. I think the bowl games are the are great, and I do not want to lose that aspect of college football. You can incorporate the bowl games into it. I've already I've already laid it all out there. It's definitely it's definitely doable. I think it'll change. I think it would change. Let me real quick. Let me hear your theory again. Okay. Um, quite simply, there's there's 36 bowl games right now. Okay. Okay, people. And there's a lot of bowl games that you have on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays during the weeks of December that don't have anything to do with the national title game. So here's how the way I would do it: 16 teams make the playoff system. Okay, coach. There's All right. Well, right, games right off the bat, now you've changed the bowl system, but okay. No, 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 I haven't. Well, just a little bit, just a little bit. Just you got, you gotta, you gotta let me go with this one. Okay. Okay. So, 16 teams make the national championship 
or the playoff system. The 11 conference winners, including the Sun Belt. So we get David versus Goliath in a, in a first-round playoff, okay? And then there's five at-large teams, which would be determined by the BCS. So, and if you don't make that, if you're number six, too bad. Okay, you should have been at least a top-five team. So those 16 teams are then re-pooled and reshuffled according to the BCS. So, like, this year, Ohio State would probably be playing the winner of the Sun Belt Conference. You know, so... Yeah, and then uh, Alabama would be playing the winner of where the, where the Conference are the, USA. Where do the bowl games fit into this picture? Oh, well, just okay. Just the first round take place at the top eight. So eight would play nine, one play 16 at those home stadiums. Now, there's still seven games remaining. After the first round, there's eight games. There'll be, there'll be eight teams left, seven games. Mm-hmm. Those seven games are now bowl games. So the Rose Bowl would be the national championship game one year. The Fiesta Bowl would be a, uh, a semifinal. Mm-hmm. The Orange Bowl semifinal. Another year of the Fiesta Bowl is a national championship game. Now, you play these games Friday and Saturday, the 16 teams, and then, you know, eight games, or four games one day, four games the next. And then the next week, it would start with, the like, the when you're talking about the round of eight, it would be bowl games like the Liberty Bowl and bowl games like the Humanitarian Bowl, like those second-rate bowls. The third-rate bowls are the games that are Tuesday, Thursday, and Wednesday during the week, kind of like your NIT, mm-hmm. teams that didn't make the, the playoffs, but betters will still watch them. And the home, so like when Minnesota at 6-6 six and six plays uh, somebody from the Conference USA that's 10-2 and two in the, the what-the-hell-are-we-watching-this-for.com bowl, you can watch <laughs> that on Tuesday. Uh-huh. So, so you have 36 bowls. Seven of them would be used in the playoff system, so there's still 29 bowls left. 58 team, teams get to go to bowls uh-huh. that um, would uh, don't have any effect on the national title game. Oh, that hasn't changed because even when we had a bowl system, they didn't. And you just have one round, eight games of playoffs not involved in bowls, and then the remaining seven bowls for the eight teams mm-hmm. would be, or the, the the remaining seven playoff games I, would be bowls. I think you're grasping, and you're at least you're trying. There are some that offer the playoff and what the playoff system forget about the Bulls. So I give you credit for at least trying, but I still think you're grasping. I think in reality, because I even have it set up for well, television. I understand. The Friday that. and Saturday. Are you kidding me? Four <laughs> days on Friday, four games on Saturday. I'm not they saying at like ten o'clock in the morning, and they go to ten o'clock. At, I mean, it would be greater than. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to. People will get upset. It would be almost as good as the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. You mentioned on a Friday afternoon, everybody calling in for work so they can watch. You know, and I, just the thought of Louisiana Lafayette walking into uh, Bryant Denny Stadium on a playoff game, and possibly David with the slingshot taking out freaking Goliath. To me, I, I, I get chills thinking about. Uh, that and I'm not stuff, denying. So. I'm not denying as a sports fan that I would not be interested in that in the Friday Saturday four games and. In, On each day, yeah. You know, or eight games in two days would be awesome, but I still think you're going to lose. You, you may, you know, say it's a bowl game here. You're going to lose the whole bowl aspect. It's a playoff game, whatever bowl it happens to be, and that's almost secondary. And I, I just think you're going to, you know, college football is so great right now with all the bowl games. And you talk to players and fans, big dog from schools that haven't been to a bowl game, The you know, what you – Sarcastic, we call the who the who the hell cares if they're watching dot com bowl. Well, when these teams go to the Bulls, for many of them, it is a tremendous. It's a highlight event. It's exciting those, for the school. Teams will still be going to bowl games. Yeah, those, but we'll take a lot of the luster off it. I think if there's a playoff system, why? it will definitely. Like I said, 
I think your intentions are good. I think in reality, it's not going to play out because when, there's a. When you're watching the North American Bowl yeah. and it's and it's Northern Illinois taken on East Carolina, and I'm not ripping Northern Illinois whatsoever, where we would watch that game, right? Is it? We know that that has no effect on who's going to win the national championship, mm-hmm. but they played on a Tuesday at Tuesday night. If there's a playoff system, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not watching Northern Illinois because all of a sudden there's a playoff system. No, they're still going to be the North. They're going to play it up at Skydome. You know, they would, it'd still be on a Tuesday night. There's no other football on, and Northern Illinois all of a sudden is on television. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a chance at the national title when there was just the bowl system. So now, and Coach, a few, about 10 less schools will make the, make the bowls, by the way, which I think would be good. Because right away this year, there's going to be a 5-7 and seven team in a bowl game this year. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. And they're going to lose. And someone's going to look back as a, at a record of this team 40 years from now. Somebody like me, some uh, a statistical nerd, is going to be like, a team went 5-8 and eight and, and lost in a bowl game? How is that possible? And then they're going to think back, why wasn't there a playoff system at all times? I'm a little confused. There's, how how there's would how would a how does a five win team make make a bowl game? Five because, and eight team because all this obsession with everybody needs to go to a bowl game. It's like oh, you know everybody nuts. deserves a trophy. No, it's, it's, there's it, way too many bowl games nowadays. Yeah, but there's not teams with losing records that are making bowl games. So I'm saying know. this year there will be a losing team going to a bowl game. I will mark mark my words, coach. The NCAA said they'll allow it. Right. They would rather have. Uh, a Big Ten school or a Pac-10 school at five and seven going to a bowl game than a deserving Conference USA team at eight and four because of money. So you can you can talk and express all the interest that you want in bowl games. Okay, You're, it, you know it, the reason why we still have bowl games is because these people on the bowl system pay off the people in the NCA. Okay, so that's why I've I've realized kind of like corruption. In, in government, you want it out and you're sick of the, the status quo. Well, I'm sick of the status quo and corruption in, in football. So I figure the only way to get the playoff system the way I want is to incorporate the, what do you call it, the, the bowl system into the playoffs. Ladies so, and gentlemen. And for... Since it's all about money, the NCAA would rather see a team that will travel at 5-7 and seven than a deserving team at 8-4. and four. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, okay. and again, any fans listening, you want to uh, chime in on the little bowl discussion here, the age-old discussion of should there be a playoff, should there be bowl games. We'll move on to some of the other oh, yeah. college football action, other sports in just a second, but you got thoughts on the current discussion, 888-463-67-48. The phone number, you can always email us at Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. M-I-C and the number two. Mike, two guys at AOL.com. I, I don't know, Big Dog. It's, it, again, I think it, it, you know, when you explain it and when you say it, I think it's okay, but I think when it plays out, it's just going to diminish the whole beauty of the bowl games. I think that's what's going to happen in reality. And I don't want to lose that aspect because I think that's as special as your Friday and Saturday is. I think the bowl season, those two weeks of bowl games is very special as well. Oh, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, Coach. I, I just, just the idea of a five and seven team getting to a bowl game is yeah, just a little and, disturbing, and, and it's going to happen this year. And you're talking about the NCAA making the decision. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't the bowl teams, or bowl um, officials, for each particular bowl, don't they have the right to take whoever pick? they want? Yeah, yeah. But before the NCAA told them they cannot take six and uh, anybody less than six and six, it was a rule. You okay. Could, so like, so basically. 
like you're exactly right. There could have been some dude that was at some Texas school that knows he's going to throw a billion dollars at the at the school every year, and they and they make sure they get into some cheap bowl game. Well, that that couldn't happen before. Now mm-hmm. it can. Okay, so they they've relinquished that rule. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog, and the coach. Right now, I think one thing we can agree on, Big Dog, the clear number one, deservedly so, is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Maybe a chance to be one of the great co- chance to be one of the great college football teams we've seen in recent years. 31 to 6 over Florida. There's no question who the number one team is right now, huh? I, I thoroughly uh, agree with that right now. And, um, if they continue, to get the defense that they have so far this particular season, they can be one of the great teams of all time. That's going to be the difference of whether uh, – that is going to be the difference whether or not they win it or not, first and foremost. But, yeah, whether they're considered like uh, like the Miami team of, of 01 mm-hmm. or, you know, Nebraska, the mid-'90s. We haven't, we haven't had one of those for a while, you know. We, we haven't had that great, great team in college football for a while, and I don't think Alabama's – that that O four USC team coach, yeah. That O five Texas team, those teams are. I, I think the O five Texas team might be the greatest college football team ever. Really? Because I was going to say the O four USC team. I remember that team. That was an awesome team with depth. I mean, just a ton of great players. The Texas team was Vince Young. I don't remember their defense being that. I don't remember them having the shock and awe that USC. Had. Okay. Uh, if you remember going into that week, I was the one that was reminding everybody. I know you were out in the middle of uh, uh, Southern California. What is it? Uh, what's that really hot place? Palm Springs. Palm Springs. But, you know, all week all I talked about is how Texas was going to beat USC. Yep. Their whole defense is in the NFL, Coach. Of the 11 guys on that Texas defense, all 11 were drafted Give in me. the NFL. I don't know how many are still in it, but you're talking about guys like Michael Huff, who's okay. an all-pro player. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've got some – Pretty, pretty, pretty talented team. But, but getting back to this Alabama team, the one thing that they do have that will that will give them a bigger boost in perception is they have like uh, the double running back in Trent Richardson and, and Mark Ingram, and then they have the triplets. They have a kid that is a NFL quarterback in McElroy. They've got the, the running backs, and then they've got a kid that is a top ten selection at wide receiver in Julio Jones. So you know they've got the, the triplets, coach. All the you know the primetime facial players on offense that people will remember. Mm-hmm. So and their, and their defense, uh, you know, is outstanding at times, intimidating. What's so impressive about that, Big Dog? Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, they lost like nine out of their eleven. They only had one or two returning starters on defense. These are all huh? guys that were playing backups last year. They step in and they've been intimidating this year. But yeah, they have seven defensive backs who play who didn't play last year. And that's very similar to like a lot of Nick Saban stuff, where uh, oh, I got the I got a sneeze off. And, um, Achoo! Yeah, but uh, don't, the, don't the never hold back. Do. Don't hold back a sneeze. It's bad, bad for the uh, <laughs> inner brainial cranial area. Something <sighs> that they do have though is they have Marcel Darius back at defensive end <laughs> and Dante Hightower back from uh, from injury. So the, I mean, Alabama at least has a stud linebacker. And a stud defensive lineman. David, back. that was impressive. He sneezed and still threw out a Marcel Darius to us all kind of in one motion. Not many sports tacos can pull off a sneeze and defensive back Marcel <laughs> Darius all in one move. God bless you. I even got a Dante Hightower there. Uh, now, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, 
I do want to talk a little bit Ohio State and Illinois. But uh, how many times have I said Les Miles is an idiot since even when I predicted LSU to win the national championship in 07 at the beginning of the year, Coach? Mm-hmm. And I said they were going to do it with an idiot coach. Now, you've defended Les Miles, I think, just for being the contrarian to me. Yeah, I'm not saying Can you saying defend it. him anymore? Can you, you cannot defend Les Miles against me anymore, can you, at this point? Did you see what happened in the Tennessee LSU game? Please tell me you did. No, I, I know LSU's five and zero. Oh, I didn't see the game. I did see the final series though, and oof, you got to feel sorry for the Tennessee. But what did Les Miles do so bad in that game? Well, uh, first and foremost, they he didn't get a play in in time when it was fourth and ten on that final drive. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they got to delay the game penalty. That's bad enough. Okay, because uh, he was arguing with Croton over what to call. And then on the 14th, 4th and 15th, right when they're about to go up, he then calls timeout. Well, why didn't you call timeout on 4th and 10th? Okay. Well, this kid, Jarrett Lee, comes in, throws a, a pass into triple coverage where the three guys from Tennessee ran into each other right before intercepting the ball. Okay. It was one of the, and then this kid from LSU catches it. I was like, I just heard my buddies. I'm like, dude, they're going to win. You know they're going to win when something like that happens. And then when the, with the clock running out, he has no timeouts. The ball's on the goal line. He takes out the quarterback that got him down there and put in a new quarterback with the clock running, mind you, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay? Puts the guy in. Calls a running play, a quarterback sweep, because the kid can't throw the ball. He gets tackled at the two. You know what he decides to do then? Send in a new – now that there's he gets tackled with 27 seconds and the clock running. He sends in a new offensive unit. Okay? They, should, they, were, they didn't get the play called in time. They, they weren't ready to play. The center, the best play the whole entire weekend was by the center of LSU who looked up, saw the play clock, not the play clock, saw the game clock at one second. So you know what he does? Snaps the ball because that's the only chance they have to win is to snap the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he snaps it. Jefferson isn't ready for it. Hits off his hip, goes behind him. He falls on it. Teams from both players from both teams run on the field. You know, uh, Tennessee's going crazy. LSU players are throwing their helmets. Well, it found out that in the middle of the switch, when Les Miles messed up and threw his offensive unit, a new one out there, uh, the kids from Tennessee decided to switch teams too, which you shouldn't have done. At that point, that's Tennessee, bad coaching. There comes a point where you're like, hey, you know what, we just got to go with the guys we got out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they have two, they have 13 guys on the field instead of 11. They get the replaying. Of course, LSU gets the ball in and. Uh, afterwards, yeah. Les Miles was embarrassed, to say the least, about how he had won that game. Yeah, it was like it was like a, watching the uh, final 30 seconds of the game was like a Chinese fire drill. It was mass confusion. I will tell you, after watching that game, and you uh, painted the picture there, that there are very few things in sports as painful to watch. See if you're with me here. Very few things in sports as painful to watch slash embarrassing slash raw human emotion then when a team thinks they have won the game and they are celebrating and jumping on top of each other. Yeah, there was a pile stuff, up. Yeah. A pile up, coach. The coach, you know, who was young coach, I think Vince Dooley's young son, David Dooley, you know, his first big win as a coach. And they're celebrating. And then the referees tell you, nope, the game is not over yet. And then, in fact, on the next play, you lose the game. I think, Big Dog, from a human emotion standpoint, that's it. As close to as painful as it gets. I felt so bad for the Tennessee team. I'm so glad that you brought that up because yeah, you, you painted that picture, right? The coaches had already shook hands and had yep. separated. There were piles of Tennessee players rolling around. Yep. I swear to you that I heard this because, you know, LSU fans, I'm going to remind you, I, I, I'm not a big fan of LSU fans. 
I, when I go into the College Baseball World Series, there was eight teams there, seven sets of fans that were awesome that I could party with the whole time, and then one obnoxious set where everywhere they went, they acted like their their poop didn't stink. And trust me, it smelled the Creole. Okay. <laughs> and uh, well, the, the, I hear the the public address announcer in Tiger Stadium say these exact words. Use some common sense when exiting the stadium. You are a Tiger fan. Don't do anything you will regret. Exit peacefully mm-hmm. is what the PA announcer is saying. So they, they, as, they went as into their, uh, they're in their, de- they're in their defeat mode at this point. Exactly. So you're exactly right, coach. So you get one, one stadium who's afraid that there's going to riot is going to start. Okay. You got one set of, of players throwing helmets, same set. And then all of a sudden the Tennessee players are legitimately doing dirt angels on the field. And like giddy, and now next thing you know, they have to go find their helmets, and they got oh, you got one more play in order to win this game. Yep. Well, they just unleashed the rest of their energy all over themselves, you know, basking in the glory of what should be an SEC road victory mm-hmm. against an undefeated team. Oh. oh, you got one more play, guys! It's, it's such a dramatic swing of emotions in such a short period of time, and the the, the pain. I mean, it was nice to see the maybe not so nice to see the LSU players celebrate, but to watch the expressions of the Tennessee players, the the shock and awe, if you will, it was uh, it's painful to watch. You remember there was a game, what about three, four, no, five the, years the, ago? The funniest part was trying to see the, the people get back in the stadium, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "Yeah, go right ahead." The last thing they want to do is tell some dude from the bayou not to get back in the stadium. They, <laughs> you didn't get your throat slit. Yeah, you know, you, you don't want to mess with that particular crowd. Uh-oh. Wasn't there so a game, like an big dog? His pocket. A couple of years ago where a coach, and it might have been even LSU, thought they had won the game. They poured the Gatorade over the coach. It absolutely was. It was 2002, LSU versus Kentucky. Yep. And it it wasn't Brooks or Bellotti. It was the guy that was there, like... Fran Kersey or something? Yeah, and, and basically they were on their... The other team was on their own 21-yard line. Uh-huh. LSU was on their own 21. They had to go 79 yards with four seconds to go in the game. And somehow the DBs let the guy get past him. And it like went off a Kentucky hand, flipped up in the air, and the deepest guy in the field was an LSU wide receiver who yep. caught the ball and went all the way. And so the... this guy's drenched in sticky Gatorade watching <sighs> uh, Kentucky, who doesn't beat LSU, but that right. happens, what, once every 25 years right. or so? This is a watershed game for Kentucky, a watershed victory for this young coach. He's trying to control his emotions. His players dump the Gatorade over him. He's trying to keep the joy Inside and, and you know explode and then as he's trying to do that, touchdown. He sees a guy LSU. Like a, a white oh. jersey running down, right through the center of the field untouched with the football. Uh, you know what? Uh, another thing, don't forget uh, when uh, you know LSU did that to Iowa. They were celebrating on the on the sidelines in the Capital One Bowl on New Year's Day. They were going crazy. They didn't throw the Gatorade yet, but they were dancing and. And uh, they, somebody had, like, a Hawkeye towel and was, like, stomping on it. And while the guy's stomping on it, uh, Iowa's throwing a bomb right behind him. It's caught by some some uh, 5'2", white kid from, a, from, the, from <laughs> some school that has seven students in it. He's running down the sideline for a touchdown. People do, the, not, do not often talk enough about that game. It was one of the greatest, most emotional finishes to a bowl game I've ever seen. I remember that. Yeah, and, like, Iowa had dominated all game long. Yep. And then for the last, like, three minutes, LSU finally, they, like, quit yawning. They're like, okay, we're going to play some football. And mm-hmm. I remember watching it with my buddies because I was at my Sunny Nucho's house. It was New Year's Day. 
we were like, I have never seen a team dominate like this. And it was like for three minutes, LSU scored like 21 points in like three minutes. Coach, and they ended up taking the lead. And then they celebrate. Think the game is over with, and they didn't realize it was still a play. And the Iowa Hawkeyes and Kirk friends never give up. All right, little college football talk with the big dog and the coach. When we come back from the break, we'll bring up some other topics. NBA exhibition season is starting. Quick recap of the Ryder Cup. Uh, what a phenomenal finish to that. Maybe sneak we really in. want to leave college football to talk NBA preseason, coach? Might have to. Might have to, but I'm Somebody always willing to be swayed, too. <laughs> We'll take a quick break. TalkZone.com. Two guys in a mic. It's the coach and a fired up big dog. Joel Redwanski in the three-point stance ready to give somebody, anybody, a forearm shiver. Lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, Two Guys and a Mic. Big dog, we don't have any sponsors for this portion of the show, but I do remind you that Geico can save you 15% or more. Especially if you don't want complete coverage. (laughs) By the way, the best insurance commercials, I don't know who it's by, but it's the guy who plays the brother on the show with Dennis Leary. He plays the, on the Fireman show. I forget what the name of the, the show is. I haven't seen it, but the guy who's like, I'm a hot chick out jogging. I'm trying to keep this a 10. And he's like in like the pink headband. That's all you know state. what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's, it's all state. Oh, my goodness. That, I mean, every time I watch any of those, I laugh. The only... The only commercial better than that right now is uh the russian mobster coach who talks to these like yes yes Obulians. who kisses I, who, yeah 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 who kisses the, the... Evening's demony. <laughs> yeah. if you notice i stopped that and watched it the other day right when he gets up and says Obulians. behind him are a bunch of dogs playing poker not the not the painting, but actual dogs playing poker. You got to pause it and look by, and just look at everything going on in that commercial. It is freaking hysterical. Had not I enjoy that commercial? I had not noticed the back on it. You know, I enjoyed it. I didn't exactly it, it, hit it, the pause button. To they enjoy actually it. show a dog throw chips in, and another one throw its cards down in the background. Interesting. Yeah. I got one more question for you. You live in the high life, uh, coach. You know I'm living the high life. That uh, that is my beer. My my mom's maiden name is Miller, so I've always had a, a soft spot on my tummy because of Miller beer. Oh, goodness. Who was the office linebacker? Remember that commercial? Terry Tate. Terry Tate, office linebacker. Yeah, that that's one of your favorites. I know that was – you know, that, that, that is a pretty good one. Uh, but, yeah, the, right now those are the two. There's got to be other funny ones, too. And that's, basically, that's all they do is they, they get great comic writers who can't get a break. They have yeah. to write commercials nowadays, and yeah. they write these hilarious commercials, but you don't actually remember who the particular That's ad the is problem. for. That's the problem. Like, uh, like I was thinking back to the commercial where um, 
the uh, girls are in one room screaming, you know, at the uh, looking at this house on how great the clothes closet is. Heineken. See, now, you remember the guys are downstairs. They start screaming Ooh, like women, too, yeah. and you see the whole pl- – I, I couldn't remember if it was Budweiser, if it was Miller. So wonderfully funny commercial, very memorable. I could not remember that it was Heineken. Yeah, I, I do. I do love the high life commercials with uh, with uh, the gigantic uh, comic, the the fat black dude. Yeah, that guy's good. Yeah, so what name is on your bag? I love that one. Yeah. That was the and, name and the on good, the bag. One's pretty good. The key so. to that one, though, the key to that one is they're selling their. It's entertaining, but they're selling their product, and you can remember what product it is because people relate the high life to Miller. So I yeah. think some some of the marketing, some of the commercial people, they get so creative, and I I credit their uh, the commercials are you know they're entertaining. They're very funny, so I credit their uh, creativity and their humor. But the problem is, at times, you forget what the product is. So if I'm if I'm the one paying the money, sometimes I think that money is not well spent. Yeah, I'm with you. I understand, yeah. Coach. All right. 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog and the Coach. By the way, and you are a football boy, and 92% of the time your analysis is better than mine, but on two players. Right now, i got to say I out-analyzed you. One is fighting a line quarterback, Nathan Shieldhouse, yeah, who you say mind. has got potential. I say uh, will never be a major college quarterback. 12 you're runs. Out of your mind. 12 you're rushes. Out. 12 rushes for 13 yards, and he threw the ball for like 110 yards. Yes, Why no, am I out of my mind? the top defense in the country. Oh, Ohio please. State has the best defense in the country. Uh, Illinois is not exactly chopped liver. 12 rushes for 13 well, yards? Well, Illinois has the... Complete a pass. One player, Mikel LaShore, that's all they have. Their offense is garbage, and they're playing the number one defense in the country, Coach. He may develop, he may develop, but right now he is a far, far from, uh, uh, serviceable quarterback. Did you watch the, you obviously did not watch Ohio State Illinois. I watched every snap of the game. I didn't. I watched it. It was basically a a freshman quarterback running for his freaking life against the best defense in the Mm -hmm. country, is what it was. And yet, there was only one turnover by him in the game. I, 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 all right. So I, you're not. You're so not. I'm watching right. this and I'm like, oh, so maybe Coach will finally see that this kid is actually a ball player. And you come out of that game I didn't, saying that he isn't any good. I didn't watch that game. I've seen him play a couple other did, games. You don't watch any Illinois Twelve rushes. Excuse me. I've watched a couple of games. I've seen Nathan Shieldhouse play. You don't think the kid can play? He's a freshman. Uh, coach. The problem is he can run. He's got a little bit of flash and dash. He can't drop back in the packet and throw. The football back in the You're pocket. Right, every time he does it, Jason no, Faison drops the ball, true. or Steve Malines no. drops two passes. That might have been that game. That Jenkins kid. You know, it was so funny. Was the other day, I'm watching this. Three balls of at least 20 yards down the field dropped, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's coach's intermediate throw that that he can make, and now these people are dropping uh, the ball. Uh, by and the I'm way, I'm, maybe coach is watching this. I will be happy. You know, all I know is this: the score was 17 or 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and the kid kept on making plays to move the chains. And keep Illinois in the ball game against the best defense in the country, mind you. This isn't at worst. At worst, Ohio State is the third best defense in the country. At worst, how did he? How did he move the chains if he threw for 110 yards and ran the ball 12 times for 13 yards? Because he got sacked like four times, and now that is included okay. in your okay. rushing yardage. Fair enough. Fair so enough. By the way, I'll, I'll be very about happy. 25 yards. Okay, so he really ran the ball like eight times for 40 yards. Okay. Fair enough. That, that that that's a little misleading. And by the way, I'll be very very happy to be proven wrong. But uh, and I, I don't I don't think you will be. But don't look at the kid's stats. I watched the game. Okay, the kid. By the way, do you know who was named Player of the Game? He was. 
over every Ohio State player, over every Illinois player, mm-hmm. the quarterback of the losing team was named player of the game, by the way, mm-hmm. by the two announcers. Okay, and I like the kid before those announcers got on, you know, got on. Yeah. Kid played. He's the toughest kid on the field. He's getting picked up and body slammed, and he gets up and makes a play the next time he's out there. He can high jump, I'll tell you that. He can he can he can jump over defenders as well. well I don't know. What, you know I don't he know if didn't that do that great. in the Ohio State game, luckily, because if he did that in the Ohio State game, the kid would have had a broken neck. Because you just can't do that against. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's funny. It's like next week. I don't know who Illinois is playing, but it isn't the number one defense in the country. By the end of the year, coach, he's going to be having two hundred yard games, and everything will be. And and honestly, coach, there were three third down passes of at least eighteen yards that he made that were dropped. Three of them in the game. And who knows what happens in the Illinois game? Uh, you know, and the kid didn't go and start screaming at his receivers. You know, he'd go over to the sidelines, you know, and pat him on the back. You know, was like, keep your head up. That's exactly what they've needed at quarterback. Juice Williams would have freaked out. Okay, this kid actually is patting dudes on the back. A senior, Jason Faison, drops a third down uh, reception, and he's over there counseling the the senior, just, being just, like, "Hey, don't worry, I'm going to need you." Despite my instincts, if you're a salesman, uh, you, you got me by it. I, I'm willing to be bought. Like I said, I hope that I'm proven wrong. You're painting a pretty good picture of him. It's again, I didn't see the last game. First couple of games, I thought he had no pocket presence. But uh, you're 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 making a strong sales presentation here for Nathan Shieldhouse. I will tell you this: you have to have a pocket in order to have pocket presence. Oh, the games I watched, he had pocket. He hasn't. He didn't really have much. Yeah. Well, I mean, what games have you seen him play? Because. Well, I mean, I know his stats weren't that good against Missouri, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, I saw the Missouri still game. Had a shot. They still had a shot to win the game. And he was breaking tackles, getting the ball downfield on yeah. the, the final drive, which, you know, eventually we, ended up he got sacked. The Missouri game he completed maybe, I might be being generous, one. One pass over 10 yards. That was, and I can't remember the other. I watched him play a couple of games. At any rate, the other guy that I think you were uh, – Incorrect honest Tommy Harris. I tried to tell people it's not so much lack of motivation. It's when I watched Tommy Harris the first couple games of the season, he just can't play. He's getting bounced around. He's not any good. You say you thought Tommy Harris played pretty good. The more you watch him, big dog, it's not lack of motivation. It's just Tommy Harris, the ex- okay, you're right about him, coach. You're right pro about defensive line. He just can't play anymore. I don't know what it is. Well, you know, the, like the first two games of the year, they were double teaming him. They really were. So I was like, you know what? Erlacher's flying around making all kinds of plays. So I, that's what I was like. I could care less if Erlacher's making, I mean, if Harris was making tackles. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was definitely not as adamant about Harris's shield house. Okay. You were right about Tommy Harris. And I, but I figured out what, why Tommy Harris is having problems, coach. Okay. All we got to do is we got to just get a couple people together and pitch in and buy him new contacts. He's looking for his contacts. <laughs> You notice he's always on his hands and knees on the ground. He's just looking for his contact. It took, it took me about a second and a half to get that reference, but well done. I like that. <laughs> that that does know, seem know, to... but That's why see, what, the, the first couple games, whenever your linebackers he's are making plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage, uh-huh. I just assume your defensive tackles are dominating people. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when that, when that initial thing came up, you said Julius Peppers and Tommy Harris aren't doing anything, is what you had said. Yeah, and one and the, that's, I forget that's what you said. I forget which game it was, but yeah, I thought Julius Peppers wasn't doing much. But uh, and, and you know, and I, and last couple of games, was, I didn't been... agree with you. But and I, and I will tend to to say that I, I was wrong because I just assumed Tommy Harris must have been doing something right. Mm-hmm. If Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs both had twelve tackles, and the Bears were at that point 
only giving up two yards of rush, and that's what it was at that point. So I was like, how bad could a defensive tackle be playing if a team is averaging two yards of rush against them? Mm-hmm. You know, so, but as I got to tell you, that giant football game, after being inactive, may have been, isn't he supposed to be fired up and ready to play? That may have been, that was horrible, Coach. Well, and again, I, I think he was fired up, and I think he was ready to play. He just gets bounced around and can't play anymore. Hopefully, again, hopefully he'll give us some give us some. Um, they gave him a six million dollar roster bonus. Yep. Oh, that hurts. Can you believe? You think that? it's easy being an owner of a football team? Just think about you know paying that much money to players, or you know you're a Chicago Cubs owner, you still owe you know. Kosuke Fukudome is going to be coming off the bench next year. You know, four or five million dollars a year. It's got to be painful. Four or five, Coach. No, they owe him 13. For one year? Yes, he he yeah. got a four-year, $48 million nah. deal, and he's got 35 of it already, which means he's owed $13 million. And I don't care how season. much money you've got, and maybe you could afford to lose that much, it still, still has got to be painful to be paying a $13 million to a guy who's going to be coming off the bench or to watch – However many millions Tommy Harris is getting, and, and, and to find out the guy can, mm-hmm. cannot play—that's. I, I, I completely uh, agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, you know, you you go out of your way. That's why I really wish uh, Major League Baseball should take something out of out of football. So, like when Kosuke Fukudome signed a only half of your contract should be guaranteed. So he signed a four-year, forty-eight million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Basically, in order, just so teams, so if you sign a deal like that, here's what should happen. That player gets $24 million check written to him. Boom. Okay, so basically his deal is now four years and $6 million a year. And after one year, they realize that you can't play. They can cut you. And then now, you know, they, they, they save $18 million. That $18 million could be paid to maybe. How yeah. many Cub rookies didn't get a chance because they owe Kosuke yep. Fukudome $48 million? Yep. Do you know what I mean, Coach? Yeah, How many other millionaires could have been made? How many other players could have be making two million dollars a year right now instead of still making thirty five thousand in the minors? If it were up to me, big dog, I completely agree with you. If it were up to me in all pro sports, one year contracts only. One year contract. If a guy gets injured, there there would be some reserve clause where, where players would be well taken care of. If they can't play anymore, if they have to sit out a year, they would be taken care of. One year contracts only, reviewed after each year, and the maximum salary would be maybe one point five mil. Well then, well, how do, how long do teams own those players then? As long as they want. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you want to go back to the 1960s baseball, and prior to that. And by the way, there was more movement in baseball players back then than there mm-hmm. are. You always complain that there's too much movement nowadays. There was actually more movement, at least in baseball, back in the day than now. If we want one-year contracts, it doesn't necessarily mean the player does can leave the team. He's still uh, part so, of. Hold on, say so you're Mister always uh, against the. See, I, I'm against. I, I like freedom. I love freedom. You know, obviously, you, you hate us for our freedom, just like uh, well, as George Bush would say. Yeah, I think total. Okay. I think when you're when you enter a professional sports league, uh, yeah, total freedom. That's not so part of the you're, deal. You're against Kurt Flood and the, a player with the ability to choose where he wants to go. No. No, I'm not but saying you're wrong, by the way, Coach. I'm not arguing here. I just want to just get the point like, of what I, you're trying to say. You got to. Well, you know, I think the system is pretty the good the way it is right now, where there's some restrictions. Yeah, players you can't just switch teams as they want. But also, it's not the you know completely the other way. Like players have no say over it either. Depending on the league, after a certain amount of years, you can um, decline or take certain offers. Right. So it's it's kind yeah, of it's, a, it's arbitration. 
basically what happens is as soon as you get as soon as you sign a deal, yep. it's pretty much assumed that you're a minor leaguer. So what happens is this, coach. While you're in the minor leagues, you belong to that organization for the next six years, okay, as a minor league player. Mm-hmm. Okay? As soon as you get brought up into the major leagues from the second, if somebody if you're on a major league roster, it doesn't matter if you play one pitch, okay, your major league tenure starts. So technically and, and it, it only starts from the end of the next year. So in a way, it's seven seasons. Do you understand what I'm getting at with that? Barely. Like if, if the baseball season starts April 1st and you get brought up April 2nd, it's not after six years. It technically would be 6.999 years, okay? So in a way, a team can own you for 13 and a half seasons, six years in the minors and then six years in the majors. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of set up that way now, and then you go through arbitration and all this other stuff where somebody else determines what you get paid. So would you – Maybe that's maybe that's not a. I, I got to think about how the switching of teams would go, quite frankly. But I'm but I'm fairly confident that uh, you know a million and a half salary top level would bring all the ticket prices down, would take a lot of the commercials out oh, of the game, make us enjoy it a lot more. And one year contracts, that's all. And managers too, by the way. None of these long term contracts. One year. And then you know the following year you sign a contract again and again. If somebody's injured or something happens, there would certainly be a. A provision in there that would take care of the monetary. I'm not a big fan of the long-term contract for reasons that I think we've seen over and over again in professional sports. I'm not going to poo-poo your idea because you know that's how you believe. That's what you like. That's fine, Coach. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind if it happened on one particular thing. I would be an excellent about arbitrator. F- Fifteen seconds, you're done. Could, could, how would you like me as your arbitrator? If you're a GM, you know you got to determine what some guy's contract is. You know, I, I think I could do pretty well at that, Coach. Mm-hmm. Well, you sold me on Nathan Shuhouse. I'd hire you for an arbitrator, too. All right. A lot of stories we did not get to that I wanted to, Big Dog. Part of the problem of the one-hour show. But you, my friend, you were fired up and ready to go today. Outstanding job. We're talking college football, Coach, and I will always bring it on those particular days. Beautiful. All right. We'll talk some more college football tomorrow and sports, and we'll get off the sports page as well. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic signing off 10 o'clock tomorrow. We will do it all over again. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.